some of the responses started trickling in. And one of them was just like, this idea is all over the place. Mm. It doesn't make sense. And we ordered 2,000 of each book. And they sold out pretty quickly that we had to do another print run, like fast. The officer stops me and he says, you know, there's been a fire and I'm sorry. And I just, I just fall to the floor. In 2022, Patty Rodriguez left her dream job as a producer and on-air co-host for one of the United States' top radio shows, On Air with Ryan Seacrest, to pursue another dream full-time. This really hurts. I want all of you guys to know that. Years earlier, frustrated with the lack of bilingual English-Spanish books for her baby, she and her childhood best friend decided to launch Los Libros. The books are mostly small children's board books and tell the stories of Latina icons like Selena and Celia Cruz, while other volumes introduce children to the wonders of places like Oaxaca, San Salvador, and San Juan. Today, Lil Libros is in Target stores across the country and has sold over 2.5 million books worldwide. On the show today, the best-selling author tells us how lying to her mom led her to her first job in radio, why she went three years without getting paid, and how losing it all in a house fire gave her the perfect conditions to launch a business. She also tells us how Selena, the queen of Tejano music, played a major role in her entrepreneurial journey. I'm journalist Fernando Hurtado, and on Business School, I'm on a mission to map one of the fastest growing groups of entrepreneurs in the United States, Latinos. We're tracking how they got started, found success, and the most important lessons they've learned along the way. And remember, business school is expensive. Business school is free. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, welcome to Business School, Patty. Thank you so much for coming. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. I'm excited. Me too. You're our first guest lecturer. so Ooh. As I should be. A live cheer from our <laughs> live audience. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. Uh, so you and I first met. We met in 2017. Lil Libros was already off to the races, was doing really well. We met at your Huntington Park office, but I think back then I had maybe like a 15 minutes to talk to you because I was on deadline and I had to turn the story that day. So I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more now, a little longer, to hear more about the story before we even get to, you know, being in Target stores uh, all over the country. Uh, you said in an interview once that growing up in your house was like growing up in your own little country. Why do you say that? Well, I think uh, being a daughter of immigrants, um, my parents came to Los Angeles, um, migrated here. So it always felt, I think I was, my mom and my dad were finding their way th through this country while racing us at the same time. Um, and they always raced us being very proud of our identity. You know, it was about the music, the food, the uh, the TV that we watched was always in Spanish. So Spanish was my first language. It was I didn't learn English until I started um, elementary school, but I always felt very proud. So it it just felt like just it 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 felt it was a very nuclear family, 
Um, and it always felt safe. So it just felt like it was our own country. And you said English was your second language. You go on to launch this fabulous career with books, a, a business with books. What role did books play in your life? Oh, a huge role. Um, even though my parents worked uh, for many hours growing up, uh, my mom worked 16-hour days, long days. She somehow always, you know, I remember books always being a very important part of our lives. Um, I, there, I, I don't know if you remember this, but back in the day, there would be salesmen knocking door to door. And I remember, I don't know if she bought this on an infomercial or if she bought this through a salesman that was going door to door, but she bought us this, like, collection of these Christian books. Cuéntame una historia. And they were all in Spanish. So, but she was really excited to, to have been able to find books in Spanish that she could read to us. So she would always read those stories to us. Um, she'd end up buying the encyclopedia from one of those salesmen, too. She always wanted to make sure that we had books at home, even if she didn't really spend much time reading it to us. You know, she just it was something just part of our lives. The encyclopedia is such a big deal because that was a, like before Wikipedia was like really big. Yeah. So encyclopedias were really expensive they too. W- yeah. So like you know, looking back, I'm like my mom. I you can see what my mom prioritized for us. Uh, and your parents were immigrants from Mexico, and you grew up mostly in Lin- Linwood, which is a city just south of the city of Los Angeles, uh, within LA County still. What what is Linwood like for people who may not be familiar with it? You know, Linwood is a uh, it's a black and brown community. Uh, it's an immigrant community. Um, I think there was a, a, a when we arrived, um, there was a lot of families arriving too. And I think I kind of, there's this correlation because at the same time that we arrived, many of our families received amnesty from Ronald Reagan in the late 80s. So once we received amnesty as families, then there's opportunity to buy homes. So I think a lot of immigrant families were looking at cities like Linwood to plant their roots and buy their first home. So I think, you know, that's when we saw a lot of just families moving up the, the, the social ladder. And you, you're doing your thing. You're a kid at this point. Uh, but then in seventh grade, you meet someone who becomes very important to you, I think, personally then, and then will become very important to you professionally. Her name back then was Ariana Sauceda. She's now yes. Ariana Stein. Do you remember uh, the day you met her? I vaguely remember we were both in PE class in seventh grade, and I think one thing that drew us to each other was because we both had braces. <laughs> so we identified, we're like, okay, we're not the only, you know, like back then it was like, you're a nerd for having braces. Um, so we identified uh, um, with that, and we became friends. I feel like my first best friend in middle school, in elementary school, was also a physical attribute. We were both short, so we, like, bonded. Yeah, and that's how like, you bond. Yeah, it's, like, very <laughs> physical attribute-based. Yeah. And then I'm sure later you found more things in yeah, common. Yeah, and we just became friends. And um, we, you know, we spent all of our middle school together in high school. So speaking of high school, uh, I think high school marks an inflection point for you where one day you're listening to the radio and you hear something about NSYNC. Oh, yes. (laughs) So NSYNC was and is my favorite boy band. Um, But growing up, I was always drawn to and and I I don't even think I had the vocabulary to express it, but I was drawn to to the art of storytelling through, you know, through radio, through film, TV, through books. Um, and I, I, I loved entertainment and music. Music was, you know, I think at, at, as a teenager, we music, we identify it um, with so much. 
listening to the radio to Kiss FM, and they're giving away tickets to NSYNC. And I'm like, we have to get those tickets. So I, I'm a senior in high school. I asked my mom if I could borrow her car. At, at that time, she was already a single mom. My parents had divorced. And um, so we only had one car. But in order for me, for my mom to borrow, to let me borrow her car, I had to kind of give her a white lie because there was no way she was going to lend me her car if I told her I'm going to drive to Burbank to try to win tickets to see sync. She would have flipped out. Well, also Linwood to Burbank, for those not familiar with LA geography, that's a solid. It's t- like 20 miles. <laughs> so in traffic, it's about an hour drive yeah, okay. in the mornings. So <laughs> I told her I have to take an early class, very early, mom. Like, it's still dark out. Can I borrow your car so I don't have to walk to school? And my mom, I get so emotional because she was a single mom back then. And she's like, sure, you take the car and I'll take the bus to work. And at that time, I didn't think anything of it. And I, and I, I think now looking back, I probably wouldn't have asked her to do that for me for tickets that's so silly but she did um and that moment changed my life because I got in the car I picked up three of my other girlfriends and all four of us drove to Burbank and we're these 16 year old girls just in sync fans and we go up the elevator we see the receptionist at the radio station and we're and she's like hi how can we help you and just us being so gullible we're like we're here to win tickets to NSYNC and then now looking back, everything feels like it was just meant to be because she could have easily just said, you guys, no, go back home. What are you guys doing here? But instead, she somehow felt compelled to pick up the phone and call the studio at the back and say, hey, there's these four girls who want to get on the radio for tickets. And after a few minutes of waiting at the lobby, the producer for the morning show, Rick D's morning show back then, Ruben Rodriguez, um, that's the producer, that's him, his name. He comes out and he walks us into the studio and we're just like these 16 year old girls in complete awe, like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like I just fell in love immediately with the building, with just all the equipment, the microphones, the, the panels, all the buttons. And we're right there in front of Rick D's. We play a game live on the air for these tickets and we win the tickets. And it was just so magical. Um, And we're walking down back to the car and the producer is escorting us out, um, Ruben. And I don't know, something, it was like, it's now or never, Patty. It's now or never, it's now or never. And I was so scared, but somehow I blurted it out are you guys hiring? And he looked at me and he said, no, we're not. How old are you? I said, I'm 16. He's like, well, you have to be 18 to be an intern. But if you give me your phone number, I can call you if there's any openings. And I'm like, absolutely. So I gave him my number and I never thought I would hear back from him. So I'm like, I'm a 16 year old kid. Um, but a few weeks later, he calls me and he asked me if I was, um, if I'd be open to go up and help for a few days a week. And mind you, I'm still in school. I'm a senior. And I'm like, gosh, I have to light up my mom again. <laughs> <laughs> 
more zero period classes. More zero period classes, and I did it for a few months, for a few weeks, to just go and help. And then I graduated high school, and helping kind of became a little bit more. Uh, I, I kept doing a little bit more, um, but I was driving up. I did buy a car after high school. When did you tell her the truth about? I don't no think zero period. I don't think I've actually sat down and told her yet. No, I don't think she, I, I. I don't think she like fully knows. I, I think she's heard me tell this story a few times, but I don't think she has like grasped it yet. Um, and I started just. I, I started going there in the mornings while being a student at Cerritos College. And I mean, I think you know now we're in the era of Spotify, Apple Music. But back then, not only was radio really big, but mm-hmm. Kiss FM was really big. Rick D's was really big. Biggest radio station on earth. Household name yes. all over mm-hmm. uh, all over the states. I think Kiss FM was one of the like the biggest revenue generating stations in in the U.S. at least. So this is a, a huge opportunity, and you're there. You're plopped in there. And like, what was your day to day like? What, what was your job? What were you doing? At the t- at the first few like weeks and months, it was really just helping answering phones, uh, coffee runs. But I didn't care. To me, I was like, I just want to be here. Like, mm-hmm. I'll do whatever anybody wants. You know, sometimes I'd cover desks for um, the assistants or executives and answer the phones. And it was like, whatever you want. I remember even knocking on doors and being like, Do you want your office clean? Like, I'll clean it. You know, like I just, I was just like, I'll do whatever anyone needs for me to do. And then at one point, you know, as you're, you you spent some time there, you said your desk was like uniquely positioned. Tell me about that. (laughs) They gave me a cubicle, which was really exciting. (laughs) And the cubicle, it was a corner cubicle. And and the, the location of this cubicle was really interesting because it's a corner cubicle that is between the, um, the programming department and the promotions department and I was in promotions so I got to see executives crossing to each, to the departments constantly and sometimes they will stop in this intersection to just chat because they will find each other and just chat so this par- particular morning Ryan Seacrest had just recently been hired to lead the morning show at KISS FM. And the producer of Ryan's show at that time, Dennis Clark, is walking toward the promotions department from programming. And my boss from promotions is walking toward programming. And they meet in this intersection and they decide to have their conversation there. And I'm not like eavesdropping, you can just hear it all. And I hear Dennis Clark telling my boss, hey, I am looking for someone that can speak Spanish right now while we find an assistant producer full time. We feel that we're missing that on the show. Um, And I'm listening to this conversation. My body just starts shaking and I start sweating and I'm like, this is meant to be. I am meant to listen. I am meant to listen to the story. I am meant to be here. How am I gonna talk to my boss? Like, I'm, I need to tell him, I need to find the courage to say to him, I speak Spanish. You know I speak Spanish. I can do this. And I'm trying to find the words and my, my, my throat is like just clinching. I'm like sweating. And then they decide to go their different ways. And I'm like, it's now or never. Get up, Patty, find the strength to get up and go tell your boss that you can do this. You can help. And it wasn't even a minute when my boss comes up to my desk and he's like, hey, Patty. And I'm like, sweating. (laughs) And he's like, look, 
I'm looking through the team. And do you speak Spanish? I'm like, fluently. It's my first language. And he's like, great. Can um, the morning show needs help for a few weeks? Can you come in the mornings to help? And I'm like, absolutely. And then he says, but after you're done, you still have to come to your hours here. And you won't be getting paid. Like, it's just to help. Okay. And I'm just like, I'll do whatever I have to do. I'm like, absolutely, I'll do it. And I did that for a few weeks um, until I found the courage to go up to Dennis mm -hmm. Clark's office and say, I know you're looking for somebody, but I'm, I'm willing to learn because I want to be part of this team. And he had a conversation with me. And he says, well, let's, let's do it then. And I went to my promotions department and I said, they're hiring me. Wow. And you got it. And I got it. And I feel like you start as a quasi-intern, kind of, right? And then you work yourself up into this full-time position. I think internships now are hard to find paid. More of them are paid. Back then, were internships paid? I, You know what? I don't know the answer to that because let me tell you why. I did an internship for, for three years unpaid. Wow. And I think... I kind of was navigating under the radar for that long because I was afraid to speak up and ask for either a paid position or even a paid internship. I was afraid that if I spoke up, they were going to find out the truth that I don't belong here. Hmm. And I'm like, let me just navigate under the radar. I don't like I I love this so much that getting paid doesn't even matter. Wow. You know, I have my job at JCPenney and at the warehouse music store. I'm fine. I could I could do this for free for the time being, you know. So I was not like I was juggling this free internship for three years, and I don't even think anyone knew. None of the executives knew this, you know. I I think they just thought that I was there. They just you know? assumed so, you were. Somebody assumed like I'm I'm sure someone or maybe they didn't even think about it, but I'm sure they assumed like her paperwork's taken care of, it's it's done. So I after three years, I did find the courage to finally say like. Well, I can't be working at JCPenney. Mm -hmm. I have to commit to this. So I went to my boss at that time and I said, I'm not, I'm not an employee here. And he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> I, he's like, you've been coming here for the last three years for free? I'm like, yeah. And I would like to be part of the team. And he said to me, well, why should we hire you? Kind of like a little snarky about it. Mm -hmm. I think I, I and but I'm like, I'm not going to let this man mm -hmm. get to me because I really want to be here. So he said, um, do you know all the extensions of all the executives? And I said, well, I, no, I don't. And then he's like, well, how, how, how can I hire you? If you don't even know that. Wow. And I'm like, OK. So I grabbed I printed a copy of all the extensions of all the executives that day and I went home. And I memorized all of them. Wow. And I went back the next day and I knocked on his um, his office and I said, and I handed the sheet to him. I said, here, quiz me. Just choose a name and I'll give you the extension. And he was just like, wow, okay. And he gave me a name and I gave him the extension number. Wow. <laughs> and, that was, and he hired me there. You shut him up, basically. Yeah, but you know, it's like, I, I think now looking back, I could have easily just gone back into my cocoon, right? Mm -hmm. And just hid and, and really believed even my own thoughts, which was like, I don't belong here, mm -hmm. you know? But 
sometimes the, the, the wanting to follow your dreams has to be a lot bigger than the fear mm -hmm. to keep you from those dreams. And then you're at this massive dream, which I don't even know if you ever had the dream to work on like one of the top rated morning shows in America, which is on air with Ryan Seacrest. And at the time, what is it, 2004, 2005? 2005. Okay, Ryan Seacrest is like, he's coming off American Idol. Like he's like the top like talent on TV, radio. On Earth. Yeah, on Earth. American <laughs> Idol is like the top rated show, dominating ratings. Everyone's talking about it. We're hot off Kelly Clarkson. You know, there's it's like yeah. that, that moment and you're working with him. That must have been an unbelievable opportunity opportunity did you is that something you you were like vying for or were you just kind of like oh well this is cool i don't know if i dreamt that if i had a, a like a clear picture of it but i do remember knowing that i was meant for something a lot larger than what linwood could offer me mm -hmm. at that time and i think that's also one of the challenges for uh, children of immigrants that sometimes our dreams are too big for mm. an, for our environment. And, you know, I never left Linwood, um, but I did feel that I needed, that I, I couldn't fit in this box. Mm. And sometimes that's where imposter syndrome comes to because where we come from, it, it, there's almost a guilt to have these mm -hmm. type of big dreams. It's almost like I got in here by accident. Yeah. Almost. Wow. So while you're having this, I think, dream-worthy career at, uh, with Ryan Seacrest and with Kiss FM, I want to go back to Ariana. What is Ariana up to in this time? You know, she's at she? school. Okay. She's at school, and I and I believe, and you know, I I quite I think we're kind of navigating separately, mm -hmm. but they're my girlfriends. So on the weekends. I'm hanging out with them. And then sometimes it would be really cool because we would get like premiere tickets at Kiss and I would, I would invite them. Like I'd always, you know, I would share these experiences with them and it was just fun. Mm -hmm. So, they, you know, she was always part of my life. Um, but, you know, she, was at, she went to school. She graduated from college. Um, she got into um, real estate management. Okay. Um, and, but... She, you know, she was one of my, she's one of my best friends. So we were always together. So you yeah. guys have that like traditional best friend dynamic, I imagine. But then you guys also have something a little that goes beyond that where you, you pitch businesses to each other a lot as you, as you're kind of navigating life. Tell me a little bit about those uh, ideas you guys had. Yeah. I th you know, we we're both dreamers. So I, I, I can't, I don't have the vocabulary to express why I always felt or how, why she always felt comfortable with us talking about business ideas because we didn't even have the vocabulary. I didn't mm -hmm. have the vocabulary. I It was just like, to me, it was like, I just want to create something that to give to the world mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever that could be. But, you know, we did have, before Little Libros, we did have some interesting ideas that we wanted to bring to life. And one of them was a hot dog stand. <laughs> <laughs> and this actually came to us from a friend who worked at a bank and Ariana comes to me. She's like, "You won't believe who uh, who brings in the most deposits at the bank." And I'm like, "Who? The hot dog stands." And I'm like, "Let's let's let's do a hot dog stand." So we go to Costco or Sam's Warehouse and we start like looking at pricing for. 
for hot dogs at a, at a wholesale and, and for the buns. And we go to, we drive to downtown LA to look at equipment. And then we're like, okay, we gotta scout a location. And we go to Mark, Mark Arthur Park to scout a location. And we start interviewing the vendors there. And then we're like, okay, we do this. We have to stand out and be different. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, I don't think it was, you know, that that type of thinking didn't, I didn't go to school. I think it was just innate in us. Mm-hmm. Like having the marketing viewpoint. Like you weren't like, what's our market differentiator? No, nothing like that, you know. Um, but it just was innate, like you want to create something you have to one mm-hmm. do it with a lot of love and two be different in the sense of like you who mm-hmm. you are you know so we we had a an understanding of that and that idea was the way to be different was you were going to we, we were going to start wearing soccer jerseys uh-huh. um and if there was a game on the weekend we'd wear that jersey and you know and bring out the flags and make it into like an experience for people to buy a hot dog and heels. And, and in heels, yes. <laughs> you know, we're we're very feminine, and we're like, you know, in heels and, and, and jerseys, and we'll get the crowd. Yeah. It didn't materialize, and I'm actually glad it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be happy if there was pictures of that. You, you've been working a lot of weekends, but I think it it, it it speaks to something. It's very a very L.A. idea, too. Like, hot yeah. dogs dominate street food in a lot of ways, especially after games. It's a it's a big economy, and MacArthur Park, it's like a concentration of food food vendors there um so you're you have that idea then later you have like a, a pr firm you also have a celeb bilingual celebrity uh, news website eventually though you have an idea for something to do with books how does that idea come about so eventually you know we we we, we start growing up even more um i become pregnant with my first child and things just start start changing. I think when you become a, a parent, um, your entire point of view, everything that you believed in just completely changes. You do like a whole 360. It's like almost like a rebirth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And me being pregnant, I started thinking about my own childhood and how I wanted to, I was contemplating on how to raise my child differently Mm -hmm. and sort of also raise him to be proud of being Latino. Because again, going back to my own identity, it took me a very long time to be comfortable in my own skin, to be comfortable with my accent, be comfortable, you know, with the way I look, my skin, the color of my skin, my hair, you know, um, working at such a young age, at 16 in this space, you don't see a lot of women in power that look like you. So. With my child, I was like, I need to, what is the first form of media children consume? Mm-hmm. And it's books. And I'm looking at books in the market that are available 
and I don't see any that are representative of our, of our community. Um, there are books that are in Spanish, like if you give a mouse a cookie, mm-hmm. where the wild things are. Beautiful books, but those books don't represent us. Mm-hmm. They were not written for us. Um, so I started thinking about creating board books that celebrated our traditions and culture in both languages. Because I was like, I want to make sure I raise my child bilingual. Or at least try really hard to do so. Um, so I wrote the manuscript. And at that time... Which a manuscript is literally like the story. It's literally like the story uh-huh. of like the way you envision the book, the, uh, what do you want the book to be. And I did it the traditional way. I would send off... Um, I would put him in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and just send it off to publishers across the country. I would search for edit- editors online mm-hmm. and see if I could, you know, write him an email. And I would, um, and for a like for a, a small window, I really believed in this idea. I was mm-hmm. like, it's foolproof. Like, it doesn't exist in the market. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other mothers just like me that are mm-hmm. looking for these books. But then some of the responses started trickling in. And um, one of them was just like, this idea is all over the place. Mm. It doesn't make sense. And when you see that, it's not the first time we have been told that, that we don't make sense, Mm. right? Um, But at that time, I think after having my son and going through postpartum depression, Mm. I didn't have the mental capacity to be able to break those words down and instead I believed her Mm. and I shut myself down and I said you know she may be right who do I think I am thinking that I could write a book and I just forgot about the idea and a few months later I'm driving home from work from the station um and I'm driving down the road and I see police cars parked on my block and I keep driving more and I see fire trucks. Mm. And I keep driving a little bit more and I see smoke. And then wait a, I'm like, wait a minute, that's my house. And I remember just kind of like leaving my car in the middle of the road and running toward my house, just so scared. And I, the officer stops me and he says, you know, there's been a fire and I'm sorry. And I just... I just fall to the floor. And... I call my mom and say, you know, we just lost a house to a fire. I'm sorry. My son was three years old, and we stayed at a hotel that night, and I remember this so clearly. I was like, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to give you the best future you could have, because that day, I think I was like overdrafted on my bank account. Mm. And I realized that 
if I'm gone, that's all I have for my child. Like, that's it. And that's me not breaking, like, that's me not breaking any generational trauma, but instead mm. it will continue. And I'm like, it has to stop with me. Like, I have to get it together and I have to figure out what to do. Like, we lost our house, we lost everything. Like, I, I, I need to figure it out. Um, and I remember the books. Was like I have to do this I have to figure out a way to do this myself um, and I took the money from the insurance <laughs> some of the money not all the money <laughs> <laughs> and I called Ariana uh -huh. and I said remember this idea that I had um, and it all worked out because she had just had a baby Okay. so she was also looking for these mm -hmm. tools for her child to raise them bilingual. And this was August of 2013. And I said, let's do this together. Um, and we agreed to do it together. And um, sorry, no, August 2014. It was August of 2014. Mm -hmm. And we agreed to do it together. And we registered the name officially. Um, and we create a little libros. So you decide to take the plunge and you have this big goal to have three books at first? Yeah, again, and you know, I look back and I, I, this is, I don't have the marketing tools. Mm -hmm. This is just innate, but I'm thinking if we're going to stand out and we want to be known as a, like a mm -hmm. real publisher, we can't just release one book. Mm -hmm. We have to show our customers and everyone that we're serious about this. We're going to release three. And we started working on creating those three books. And um, we started in August of 2014. And December 2014 is when we received the printing, uh, the, the printed books. And we ordered 2,000 of each book. So and what were those books about? It was the first board book was Loteria, okay. first words. Second was Counting with Frida. And the third book was uh, Zapata Colors, book by um, inspired by Emiliano Zapata. And we released them December of 2014, and they sold out pretty quickly. That we had to do another print run, like fast. And how are you promoting them at that point? All on Instagram. At that, you know, I I, I had a pretty, you know, good following because of radio. Mm -hmm. um, so it just felt. It, it was just natural and I think what really I think what really helped build that trust was there was already trust mm -hmm. I had been sharing my life with my, our listeners for the last 10 years you know they knew everything about me my uh, the ups and the downs everything about my family they, they they have been following me through my journey as a mother as a new mother through my journey you know when we lost the house mm -hmm. and and, and me building myself up, not just, you know, emotionally, but my entire family trying to bring back and build back this home that we had lost. Um, so it just, you know, they were, our, our customers and my followers are just incredible. They were rooting for us from day one. And, you know, I don't think they knew how valuable or how much they needed these type of books for their children. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us knew. 
Um, and so when they came out, it just it just felt like it just felt like family. Yeah, and I want to make a big emphasis on the fact that it wasn't just bilingual books. They were also in culture books, you could yes. say. You know, it wasn't just, oh, we're going to translate the story about a bear and have it in two languages. These are I- cultural icons. Later, you know, you have a Selena book. Uh, you have a, a, Cel- do you have a Celia book? Yes, Celia Cruz. Celia Cruz. Um, yeah, an icon, you name it. You guys have it. Um, but, of course, uh, 2,000 books of each. That's around 6,000 total. Yeah. Is that enough to... You know, make ends meet and kind of like live your life and no, call not it a day. at all. <laughs> no, we're still working full time at okay. our jobs. You know, I'm still waking up to go to the morning show on the radio, and you know, it was it was a little scary to juggle both and then you know come home and and be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, for me and I think for both of us, we were in the zone. We're like, we're gonna we're gonna figure it out, and. Um, within as soon as we received our first batch of books, we just knew there was something special here, and we already we were envisioning where these books okay. belonged. Um, and where and, where was it? You know, like well, where do we shop, Ariana? You know, let's let's write this down. You know, where where do you go grocery shopping? Where do you go buy for you know mm-hmm. supplies for home? And the first one was Target. Okay, like, that's where we we give our money to Target. We give a lot of our money to Target all the time, and. And that was the first one on the list. And we're like, we have to figure out how to get these books into Target. And I kind of already knew, we don't really have to find the executive who makes the Mm -hmm. decisions. We just have to find the address because I kind of already knew the way things work behind the scenes when it comes to shipping. Because in radio, when I was doing the, when I was being an assistant, I would always get asked to go check the mail. Mm. And I was the one that would have to go through the mail and then look whether something needed to be trashed, you know, mm-hmm. belong in the trash, or if it was important enough for me to share with my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, that's exactly what ha- probably happens mm-hmm. at Target as well. Uh, so let's just make it really pretty so the person who has to make the trip to the, uh, to the mail room will be so inclined to walk this to the executive's office. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we did. We did a beautiful care package with our books, and um, we got a call a few weeks later from Target. Saying? They were like, can we talk to your publisher? And we're like, well, no, it's us. <laughs> They're like, no, really, the one that makes these books. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's us. Wow. There's, we are the publisher. And they're like, really? These books are fantastic. And we're like, thank you. We know. <laughs> no, and they were great. They were the first mass, mass retailer yeah. to believe in us. Um, Not just like any retailer, the eighth largest retailer in the country. Yeah. And like you said, everyone goes to Target and to have a book in Target, I feel like anyone could laugh that off. Like, you're not going to get your book in Target. That's funny. But this is also timeline wise. This is what? This was 2015. So a year after you launched. Yeah. A few months. You get a call from Target and they say, what, give us 2,000 books? I think they were asking for 3,000 per title at the time. It's give or take. Um and we just said yes we'll figure it out um and we had enough money from the first two print runs Mm -hmm. to be to be able to pay for this target print run um and you know you're like you say yes and then you figure it out you know i think it was we were just in the zone and we were at 800 stores that year wow um and we started with three books and now we have 12 SKUs at their target stores wow and all the while this is happening, 
there's a role that Selena Quintanilla, the queen of Tejano, plays in your life. So one day you're scrolling on social media. I think this is important to kind of understanding your full story <laughs> and like who you are as a person. You're scrolling on social media. You see a picture of a lipstick with a Selena logo from MAC Cosmetics that is posted by makeup artist Jose Antonio Figueroa. And you stop. Why? Yeah, so we all love Selena. She's our queen, right? Mm -hmm. She's our, our, our goddess. Um, I'm scrolling and I see this really well like image of a lipstick with a mm -hmm. Selena signature on the side. And I'm like, oh my God, Mac is finally going to release this. Because a few years mm -hmm. prior to that, I had tried to go do a, create a hashtag on Twitter that was like, Mac for Selena or something like around those lines and it didn't go viral. <laughs> I tried really, I tried a few times. I was like, it, it has to go viral. Mm. It didn't. But I, I had sent an email to corporate when I had started this hashtag and I had said to them, you know, you guys should do a, 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 a Selena mm -hmm. lipstick. And I got a reply back from, from an executive and they were like, are you from, are you with the Selena Quintanilla family? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm just giving you a suggestion. Mm -hmm. And then he replies back with, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> and, and, and that was the end of it. But then when I saw this image, I'm like, they finally mm -hmm. did it. And I was so excited. But then I come to find out it was actually a Photoshopped image oh. from an, an incredible artist um, who was also thinking the same. I think a lot of us were, mm -hmm. like it just made sense. So then I, I, I grabbed his picture and I decided to create a, a um, what's it called? Petition. A, a petition. And I posted it on Instagram and the petition exploded. And um, because I had the emails from the executive, I sent the link to the executive mm -hmm. at Mac and I said, look what's happening. And I'm like, one of your artists created this incredible image and you know we would love to see this happen. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get a response back. I don't think I did. But the petition just continued growing and growing, in like thousands of of signatures. And I remember like fans were going to the to the Mac um, headquarters, wow. leaving like posters and, and 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 messages and like they were calling the headquarters saying like you need to get this done. Uh -huh. And it got picked up by like all the media. This this petition. And I finally get a, um, a response from Mac and they were like, you know, I don't think you understand how uh, partnerships uh, work. We don't mm -hmm. even know, you know, we don't even know, we can't just do this without talking to the family and we don't even know who they are. We don't have any relationship with them. And I said, well, hold on, <laughs> let me help you with that. And I Googled, uh, Selena's sister's contact information, and I cold called her. <laughs> so you did not know her? No, not at all. <laughs> and I was like, you said, hold on, let me Google. <laughs> I didn't say that to I said, hold on, let me figure this out for you. Let me do your job. Um, and I called her, and I was so nervous. And I was mm. like, I, I think I wanted to cry. And I was just like, I'm so sorry that I'm getting you involved in mm. this. You probably don't even want the attention. Like, I, I had mm. no idea how, how she was going to react. Maybe she didn't want this mm -hmm. type of attention. I'm like, but I'm Patty. I created the petition. Um, and they would love to chat with you. 
you know, can I make this connection? And she's like, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So I went back to Mac and I said, look, here you go. Please make this happen for all of us. And I heard nothing anymore mm -hmm. until the announcement a few months later um, on Instagram where Mac posted the announcement on their Instagram account. And I was just like, wow. it was so awesome to see it. Um, and I really think that moment of that release and that, that, that makeup collection was really the catalyst um, for our community when it comes to um, the gatekeeper seeing our economic power. Mm -hmm. For the first time, in, I think in our history, they realized that if you create something truly authentic, mm -hmm. that we will uh, support it with our dollars. Yeah. You know, that, that collection sold out within minutes. And to date, it's, a, you know, the, um, the best-selling makeup collection in history. Wow. Yeah. And you, what I think is interesting about this is you kind of, you were the, what's the word? Like the enzyme that connected them. And then you decided to take a step back and have it, let it be the Quintanillas family thing. That of course. They do. Yeah. But you were certainly like, you helped out and you were the facilitator and you kind of set that up. Uh, or help set that up. I know you probably don't want to take too much credit, but you certainly did help. And then you still have Little Libros. So at 2014, I think you made, what, like 11,000 bucks or something? Is that what I read? The first year we made, yeah. 11,000. The first and, month, yeah. And it's then super. when do you start seeing, like, oh, man, this is, like, taking off and doing well? You know, we, we Ariana and I end up going to, um, I think it was 2015, we end up going to a, a publishing convention. Mm -hmm. And we meet in, um, to network, and we meet this incredible man by the name of Brad Farmer, who's the CEO at Gibbs Smith. Okay. And we're at dinner, and I start talking about Little Libros and, and the mission and, what, and why we created this. And we get a call from him after this conference, and he wants to meet with us. And he's like, you guys have a lot of potential. You both do. This is wonderful. This is, doesn't exist in the market, and I want to help. We want to help you continue reaching more. And we signed on with Gibbs Smith for uh, distribution. Um, but at that time, we were already at Target. We were mm -hmm. already at Barnes & Noble. Wow. We were already at museums. But what they were able to do is continue elevating us. And we just, you know, our our money, the, the income, um, our gross sales were doubling yearly. Wow. Yeah. Um, and we were um, began bringing in a team, you know, slowly. We had my brother come help with shipping, and we hired an um, operations manager to help us with, you know, just the logistics mm -hmm. and things. And we began building a team. And I think when it really felt real was when Ariana found a, an office in Huntington Park for us to rent and make it our headquarters. And we were like, if we really want this to be real, mm -hmm. we have to have our logo in the, on, in the lobby. That's when we know it's real. Nice. And we had someone come and install our logo, and we were like, this is real. And it's one of those cool, like, 3D logos, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be like a decal. <laughs> it's going to be a real, legit yeah. 3D. I think the first interview we did, we did it in front of that. Yeah. You kind of have to. We were to. so proud of that. <laughs> yeah, that looked expensive. We do a lot of um, 
local community events and just the reaction from parents and grandparents mm -hmm. whose you know language is Spanish is their only language and for them to share with us that for the first time they were able to read to their grandchild mm. like that's priceless um, and that's what Little Libros is doing creating those memories and building on that and we've been doing it for 10 years so we already have a generation of yeah. children who grew up with our books and it's just so exciting to see that they have these books. We didn't have those books. No. But our kids do. <laughs> so all of the while you're still working on air with Ryan yes. Seacrest, 2022, you decide to leave that job. Why? It was one of the hardest decisions I ever made in my life because I just loved. Um, I love Ryan. I love the entire team. Um, you know, Ryan has been one of my greatest mentors uh, throughout my career. Um, but it was time. Uh, my ch I now have two kids, and I, need I wanted to be there more for mm -hmm. them. And that meant, you know, drop off at school in the morning, which I never was able to do. And now I can do that. And I also wanted to explore other types of storytelling, mm -hmm. um, which was, you know, coming from radio, podcasting, and, you know, tell more of our stories through that, um, th that way, and also through film. Um, so I, I made the decision to, to leave, to, and, and I, I don't want to say that I will never be back. Um, it was the most incredible years of my life and the community that I built, but Sometimes you have to let go of things, even though they're perfect as they are, mm. so you can continue growing. And those are the toughest conversations you have with yourself. And no one else can make those decisions mm -hmm. for you but you. And you have to trust in yourself because even my mom, she called me like she, she was scared. She's like, you can't leave. <laughs> you know, like they pay you well. Like that's her, like, you know, our parents, yeah. they pay you so well. And, and I'm like, mom, but I have little libros, but for her, it was still like, even though you have little libros and I see the success, it's not oh. like a job where you get a check and you, you get a check, yeah. you know? Benefits, and benefits. it's corporate America. Yeah. I think Health that, benefits. Yeah. Um, and she was scared for me, but I, you know, I, I remember telling her like, mom, I can't talk to you right now because then you're gonna make me doubt it, doubt myself, yeah. I have to let go. And I'm like, but I have wings now. Mm -hmm. And your own thing. Yeah, which is... like I have wings. Like this show and the community that I built gave me the wings that I needed to fly. Yeah. And I, and I remember having this conversation with my oldest son because he started crying um, when he heard the announcement on the radio. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's like, you're, you're leaving because of me. And I said, no. It's not because of you. It's because I want to spend more time mm -hmm. with you. And I told him, there's going to be instances in your life when you're going to have to let go of good things. Mm -hmm. And there, it's going to be really hard to make the decision. But you have to trust your heart and know that even greater things are coming. So I had to have this conversation with my 12-year-old um, because, you know, it's, that's exactly what we're doing. We're helping shape and mentor the next generation. Right. And now to wrap this up, you 
with Lil Libros, you, how much are you generating now? And how many books are you selling a year? And, and who's reading these books? So we started with uh, publishing board books for the younger readers. And now um, we are also focusing on creating picture books for older readers, ages four to eight. And we are also extending our line to non-book products like puzzles and board games. Um, last year, we made $2.7 million. Wow. And, um, you know, uh, this year we're expecting to do the same or a little bit more. Um, and we just want to continue growing. We just had an incredible uh, a partnership with The Honest Company, with Jessica Alba, my boss crush. <laughs> um, where the, they released a limited edition diaper print inspired by one of our books, La Catrina, to celebrate fall and Dia de Muertos. And it's just incredible now, looking back at the last 10 years, how growing up and, and, and navigating this career, it felt like we were doing it by ourselves, but we have found each other. And we're no longer doing it alone. We're uplifting each other now. Mm-hmm. And that's something I never imagined in a billion years. I love that. Well, Patty, you didn't go to business school, but you are now a business school <laughs> uh, graduate. And to comm- uh, mem- commemorate that, I'm going to ask you uh, four rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. So my first question is, what is your earliest money memory? Okay. So my first uh, earliest is asking my mom to buy me a box of M&Ms so I could sell them at school but I was so hungry <laughs> that I ended up eating the entire box of chocolates and didn't sell one. <laughs> the whole box? <laughs> yes. Love that. Okay. You, you, were, you were hungry metaphorically as well. Yes. Uh, if you had a business school course, what would it be called and why? How to build with community. Um, you know, a little Libros is an example of that. We couldn't have done it without our community. There's just, uh, there's no way. It was created for us and by us. Patty 101, how to build with community. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's the worst business advice you've received? I don't know if it's a business advice, but I think the worst thing is anyone can say to you is, well, you can't do that. Hmm. Because unfortunately, sometimes we believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the best advice you've received? Best advice? Um, I think from my mom. Like, just do it, and I'm here for you. And then finally, who else should we have as a guest lecturer or a guest? On oh my Business God! School? Of course, Jessica Alba. Will you help us get her? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I think I know her. <laughs> you think, you, I think you know her a little. <laughs> well, Patty, thank you so much for coming by Business School. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Fernando. If you like this episode, go back and subscribe to get notified when new episodes drop. And if you really, really like the episode, make sure to leave a review. It helps others find the most affordable business school out there right now. Business School. Thanks for listening.